0: Welcome to Seattle House Mafia's industry interviews. I'm Phil, your host, and in each episode we bring you exclusive interviews with DJs, producers, promoters, and other industry professionals who are passionate about leaving their mark on the dance music scene. But we don't just talk about their careers. We dive deep into their personal lives, what inspires them, where they face challenges, how they balance their personal and professional obligations, and what their aspirations are for the future. Lastly, We end every episode with an exclusive DJ mix so you can experience firsthand our guest's signature sound and style. So join us on this unique journey as we explore the dance music scene and the amazing people who make it happen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Seattle House Mafia. Welcome to the latest episode of Seattle House Mafia's Industry Interviews. I am Phil, your host and today's guest has roots that go back to the 90s la rave scene moving north to san francisco she was the host of kusf's future breaks fm radio uh, show as dj miss e and the co-founder of club night eclectic in san francisco her passion for positive music-driven media fueled her collaboration in all aspects of the business from accelerator magazine to xbox entertainment Vinyl and digital record labels, film and TV sync licensing, and, cont- uh, and countless performances stateside and beyond. If you've been going out in Seattle for any length of time, you've likely caught one of her uplifting sets as Griffin Girl. Please welcome Emily Griffin. How are you?
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: What do you think? What have you been up to?
1: Uh, working, raising a daughter, loving life in Seattle, uh, yeah, making music, all the things.
0: Perfect. Well, I always like to start off with when, uh, when it sort of clicks with me with somebody. And we've never met before, right? Which is actually my favorite way to do these, I've realized. I like the people that I already know, but it's always just full of surprises when I've never met somebody. And so um, when I really like, I've seen a few different DJ sets of yours throughout the years for sure. And I went to, I took a couple of my jujitsu buddies to the LTJ Bookham mm. show at Monkey Loft. And we were walking up, these guys like my homies, like like rider dies, like my buddy Wayne and Carl. And we're walking up and we get out onto that little walkway onto the deck and we're having this conversation, of course, about jujitsu or something. And I shush them. And they're like, What's up, bro? And I and I just start walking away from them. And I look back and I go, I need to know who the fuck's DJing right now. <laughs> and so I walked up and it was you, because I didn't know who if there were set times or anything. And there was just something about the uh, the music that you were playing specifically. and Rob killed it. Obviously, LTJ did his thing. Rob Noble that is. But like the the drum and bass that you were playing, for me personally, and you know, music's very subjective, right? Um, it was just like one of the favorite sets to memory. So I didn't talk your whole set with my friends that I brought. Like I just ignored them and just listened to what you were playing. So <laughs> I don't mean to fluff you up too much, but, but really like, and then, then I reached out, I think I reached out the next day. Soon
1: after. Yeah. yeah. And then you did your set here, Yeah, which I loved listening to. That yeah. was, that was a really special night. Yeah. It was, I was moved to tears like a couple times that night. Cause it was, it was like full circle getting to open up for LTJ again. Yeah. And, uh, having people come together to listen to drum and bass and feeling the revived interest in drum and bass and yeah. especially that melodic style. It was it was really special. So I'm glad that was a good point of connection no, for No, it
0: kicked me in the ass. And yeah, I, it really did inspire me to go dig you know and really the way i play vinyl sets so a lot of times i'll just grab stuff and then go for it and uh it it inspired me to grab some of my old drum and bass records and just and i've never been a drum and bass dj like that's never been my thing um and just go for it you know plus i had a new mixer that i wanted to break yeah in too, so. that was,
1: it was well done yeah. so yeah put that in the show notes your <laughs> your mix was really great well and, good i appreciate yeah.
0: it you know um And that night, so you've opened for, you've played with LTJ before, how many times? Um, That was my second. So it
1: was, the first time was one of my first gigs in Seattle as a touring artist. I was coming up here and playing shows and it was Romero, Romero from Uniting Souls had just recently moved up to Seattle and was hosting shows up here. And so I got to open up for LTJ Bookum at the Showbox in uh, 2001.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: And that was like a night where I met Some really important people that eventually, like Kid Hops, who eventually had me move up here. And it was just the start of something special with
0: Seattle back then. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I was actually going to ask because, and then I want to go into your history a little bit. But I've seen you play, and actually I was just watching uh, a set of yours on YouTube, which was kind of this ethereal... like, I don't know what you'd call it. It was house, right? It was four, four, but, but um, it just, it it had a different vibe to it than like the house that I normally play and normally listen to. And so it seems like, and then I heard your drum and bass set and it seems like there's almost a thread that regardless of the genre that you're playing, there's, there's maybe a thread, but I might be reading into it too much, but you do play a bunch of different genres. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I started as a drum and bass DJ. It was drum and bass that inspired me to learn how to DJ because I mean, I was raving, you know, I was I, you know, listening to a lot of house music for sure. And back then there was like less splintering of genres. So it was right. just, that was, I, or I was less aware of it too. But drum and bass and jungle in 1996, 1997 absolutely changed the game for me. And the guys that were playing jungle, drum and bass in San Francisco at that time were so, it was so fascinating to me. I was like, I want to do that. Because at that time I was like drum and bass is going to save the world. Everybody in the world needs to listen to drum and bass, and and that's what Gabe like had me push through that the technical challenge of learning how to mix okay. and you know with vinyl at 180 beats per minute. I yeah. mean that was it took me a
0: while, but I was some are 45s and some are 33s, yeah. and yeah, yeah,
1: and so that was my then I and then I. Got sick of drum and bass after listening to nothing but that for okay. a couple of years. And so I did more breaks, UK Garage, Two Step, Electro. Like I kind of, my, my dad makes fun, was making fun of me because he said, you know, every, I could tell you're getting older because every year you come home for Christmas and your BPMs are coming down. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I uh, my BPMs have come down, but I, I do love playing drum and bass still, but I love house and, you know, Griffin Girl is very much about a new sound and uh, house, house music was what felt great to me at that point and then even with house like I love playing the deep melodic yeah, you know, musical style and I would say no matter what I'm playing you're going to get various styles in it and I, I just want it to sound as musical as possible like I really pay attention to the storytelling aspect of anything I'm playing.
0: Yeah the particular mix I was looking at was like from two years ago it had some kind of fun, fun like uh, background and it was definitely deep melodic it had, this, it had this almost like esoteric feel about mm-hmm. it um, and almost a little bit of that desert vibe too there was there was something about mm-hmm. it I, just, I dug it that's what I was looking at when I was kind of making show notes um, I was listening to that today actually so
1: and that was lockdown time that was kind of was like it. coming out of yeah. lockdown times and I think those were good times to explore different Absolutely. sides of ourselves and uh, there's so much of like a spiritual conversation happening as we curate music as DJs and so I think Lockdown was a good time for me to explore that and to try different things that might not work. Well, that won't work at one o'clock in the morning yeah. on a Saturday night, right. but is very much like part of my repertoire. So
0: yeah, no, there's something it's funny. I th- I mean, you probably know this too in your life, but it seems like there's, there's a few different camps when it came to lockdown. There's people that just completely fell apart. And then there's people that just like put it in fifth gear and exploded into whatever creative realm that they were... That maybe dabbling with or thinking about, and just like I have no excuse but time right now, so mm. I might as well get into it. That's that's pretty interesting.
1: Well, I crumbled. I crumbled down. I mean, I had both. I guess we you all know. Had like, moments. come on. Like, how could you not have co- come through that? A different person. Yeah.
0: I know. I just don't want it to happen again. But that's a whole nother <laughs> no. That's a whole another show. We'll see. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's funny you said your dad so your dad how does he even understand like what bpm's are did you just you oh just- well
1: he's i i got my you know, i'm i'm from come from a musical family okay. and he was he's a self-taught musician and uh has a pretty hefty guitar collection he was i grew up with he playing on his 808 machine and he's he's a musician like he abs- Like i came home with mixtapes of you know jungle and he was like Girl, this sounds like rush hour in Times Square. Like what is this? But he saw <laughs> my, he saw my passion. And right. I think when when my parents saw my club eclectic succeed and that become a thing and they started to see how my passion for dance music and raving and all that started to intersect with my interest in media production and for my career, like they were like, Okay, we get this. Like it's not just about you partying and having a great time it's Staying actually all hours yeah, and, yeah like they, they you know they didn't understand that part of it but uh, but now they you know they see how I've turned that into a really successful career so they're happy yeah
0: I want to get so before we talk about that so do you grow up in LA or where did you grow up
1: I was born in Queens New York okay. and my dad was an executive for British Airways so uh-huh. I'm an airline brat so I lived all over the world all over the country my sister was born in Detroit my brother was born in New Orleans bounce back and forth east coast west coast all of that but i san francisco was the first time i got to move for me like i wanted to do radio production kusf was the top rated college radio station at the time and that's all i that's all i could think i was like okay i'm i love radio like I grew up with radio because radio was always my best friend anywhere I moved. It was the constant. So I was making mixtapes off of the radio and doing fake radio shows. Like I've always been DJing Phil. Like it's part of my essence. I don't remember not DJing because I was always doing radio shows, even if it was fake radio shows in my, you know, my garage, you know, growing up. But it was that intersection of radio that had me go to San Francisco at that time and, that was where everything else took off for me.
0: Because you started though in L.A. the when like your intro yeah. was it to the Absolutely. rave scene in Absolutely. L.A. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. Grew up in the East Coast, but then you ended up because of your father's career, ended up in L.A. at some yeah. for and some. So night, that was
1: time. where I was in high school, and so high school age it. was going to underage clubs and eventually raves and kind of stumbling upon greatness because I stumbled upon Wicked and you know like Doc Martin and Moon Tribes and I mean come on and then it was like I went back to the East Coast for a hot second and I was like what am I doing like I love the West Coast there's something special happening there and something really called me to San Francisco and that's I'm so glad I went there at that time because that's where the jungle scene all got started and really where in terms of like the timing that I graduated college in 98 so uh like the first dot com boom was starting to happen so all of that you know media interest and like media production all kind of came together for me then
0: yeah there was really a convergence both I think of just I don't want to know if it was respect for creative endeavors but also this convergence of like new ways of looking at doing business and money and, and
1: well as a globe all of a sudden like self-expression and community was becoming this global thing, like for real. Because I was listening all of a sudden like listening to pirate radio stations out of London over the internet in the computer lab at University of San Francisco. And I was, you know, got my first job working for like a multimedia startup and they had a fax machine which is how people communicated back then. So I was like faxing labels, telling them about my radio show and asking for promos and kind of doing, like you were talking about being in in the sales and just kind of going for it and just like asking, like reaching out to people and trying to make connections. And that was like so much more
0: possible then. It was. Tony H said, close mouths, don't get fed. Absolutely. Like ask, ask, ask. It's funny that same time I was actually working construction. I took some like a last quarter off of college in Hawaii, and there was a local college radio station, I guess, and I don't know which one it was, but I would make sure I was on the beach every Saturday listening to Horizontal Lounge and like Mark Farina was on and kind of one say John Howard and like yes. they were playing a bunch of West Coast yes. you know, West Coast heads back then, and it was just like such a good and it was I'm in mean, this crazy you know on this crazy beach in Hawaii listening to house music and yeah, just,
1: yeah. So. and you know and that all grew into you know groove tech as a whole topic yep. but like these were we were doing things then like what twitch is now like we were doing that then when people were still on dial-up like we were just like ahead of the wave right I'm not surprised by that I'm always like all right what I want to catch that next wave. I want to catch that next yeah. wave we're like like basically, human consciousness and technology is like all right at that same level. But I think that we're we're there. Now. Like, there's something happening now with Agreed. AI and all of that, which I'm super interested. And in. we could probably do a whole show about as well. But, totally. But yeah, like there's it's cool to see. And this is the the beauty of having the like 30 years, in you know, in this now yep. is like you can zoom out and go, oh look, there's the waves. There's like the peaks and the valleys and the changes, and you can start to see how like okay. When human consciousness and technology line up, like some really, really magical things can happen.
0: So, fair to say, when other kids were playing house and cowboys and Indians, you were playing radio show hosts. I was playing
1: radio show hosts or like making routines to like, you know, Janet Jackson videos kind of thing, you know.
0: And then you ended up in San Francisco specifically running a radio station or running a radio show show. at their station. And how did, how did you do that? Were you pulled into that or did you?
1: I was pursuing radio okay. for sure because I knew like that's I that's what I loved. It's what I you know, that's what I understood really DJing to be early on. And then, of course, that intersected with uh, going out and going to raves. So I started booking DJs on the radio and then there was an Irish guy that was in charge of an Irish bar who heard me booking drum and bass DJs on the radio oh. and he called me and said look if you're doing if you're booking the DJs on the radio come like start a night and that's when and I I had never thrown a, a club night before so I got a couple of my close girlfriends and we started eclectic which started in 1997 was really became like the epicenter for drum and bass on the west coast and had has its own storied history of like how uh, influential it was in terms of bringing talent to the West Coast, all the cl- like bunch of collaborations that came out of that, and artists that it launched. Like eclectic became uh, a part of a lot of people's history. I love that. Yeah, yeah
0: and that was, it was. I mean, wasn't that a pretty male-heavy drum and bass, especially West Coast, right? Yeah, Back and then. but
1: San Francisco had a really interesting thing happen at that time, and I I've seen I actually see this now happening in Seattle, but the you know, women here are like very supportive of each other yep. and at that time in San Francisco is also like that if you looked around like women were running the radio shows the record labels the magazines the like the club nights like there was like enough of like women in positions of power where it just kind of like there was a flywheel of support where it just then of course that encouraged more women to get involved and that's the thing like girls and women need to see another woman do something first before yep. they kind of clicks in their mind that they can do it too. And I feel like that's very much like what called me back to music in 2015, 2016 and creating Griffin Girl was very much like, wow, like I had put DJing aside for, for a while and didn't really think that it was gonna be something that I did again. But I think part that's part of the calling was like being vocal and being visible Actually, has such a ripple effect into the community, and a lot kind of like, in its own way, gives other people permission to do it too. So,
0: yeah, I've noticed a theme even with, you know, and we were talking about this off camera, but having some of the other femme guests, uh, artists, DJs, producers that we've had through there is there is definitely a level of support that's admirable, um, and it's yeah, it's just it's very cool to see.
1: Well, women. Usually it flip. It goes one way or the other really quickly. It goes into like competition and scarcity yeah. or abundance and sisterhood. And we're definitely, if I have anything to do with it, it's going to go that, you know, the way of support and creating a safe place to ask questions and then like creating the allies, you know, having like having there be enough of enough strength to be like, yeah, we're, we have each other's backs and we have this like great group of allies around us that are also helping lift us
0: up, you know? Do you feel like in Seattle specifically, it's pretty fair representation now between, you know, male artists and femme artists as far as like, well, I would ask both in production, but also in performance.
1: I think we're, there's a lot of, there's a, there's definitely like a whole new group of women that came out of lockdown as DJs, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people got that memo or like, oh, they're not going out anymore. They took out, you know, they, they took that time to learn, and I think that's awesome. I love seeing more women behind the decks. I definitely there's there's a there's like a point where it stops though, and that's where I, I'm working on educating our brothers and our allies and folks in the industry to see that it does stop at a certain point when you look at promoters, you know, club owners, that kind of like that. There's a certain level of like an economic ceiling that I think like when you look at where the money's flowing. Women are usually left out of that. So sure, women are getting booked. But we people want to see women on lineups. So that's like there's a demand there, and yep. there's a you know there's and there's good enough. There's good support on the crews to be you know bringing in and bringing exposure to like fresh talent. Um, but you don't see a lot of you don't see a ton of women promoters, and you definitely don't see like even if you just look at Monkey Loft. And the the layer of like who's running those nights like there's a lot of like women on support but there's not really like women at the table in terms of like the the core crews that are like running that running those nights in that business so I just think it's interesting to look at and what do so you I, think
0: that is though I mean you're paying well attention. well
1: I well I think that I mean ec- I think it all comes down to money in a lot of ways and economics and I don't think a lot of women are in a position to take a loss on a night. And I take see. that risk, um, and I think that that has to—you have to have that appetite to to get to that to get to that point, okay. and and yeah, it's just—I I don't have the answers there, but no, I just no, think it's I, interesting to look at and to see like, okay, women are—you see a lot of women on bills, awesome—and then look a little bit deeper and see like the business side of it, right. and go,
0: hmm, okay. But it sounds to me you're talking a little bit about like that four minute mile situation, right? It's just going to take one to crack it. Yeah. And then, and then it, you know. And it's
1: growing. I mean, yeah. I think about things like Base Coast, right? Yep. Like Base Coast is mostly women run.
0: I did not know I, that. I hear
1: amazing hear. things about it in terms of like attention to detail Same. design, right? Like, so it's not not there. And, you know, we do have, there. Are, I I believe work is owned by a woman. I think they're, you know, I, my memory is not going to serve me right now. So I'm not saying it's not there 100%, but I'm like, just look. It's like, if you're going to look and be like, great, yeah, equality, great. There's lots of women on bills. I'm like, great, awesome. And that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning because hopefully, these young women that are getting into it as DJs, hopefully they are producing and hopefully they are looking at becoming promoters because it feels so good to give other people opportunities like Mindy was talking about that on your yep. show, like it feels good to have a night to be able to give opportunities to other people. Totally. And that that's part of like the maturity that I think that comes as an artist when it's like not all about you anymore. Yeah. And you've got enough of like a voice, you've got enough financial backing or enough of like, influence to be able to start to lift other people up to
0: it's a it's a super interesting perspective and that's why i was asking and i wasn't wasn't trying to push on it i just it's you know i've been paying attention in whatever capacity since the mid 90s right mm-hmm. and we were talking about this too like we see these waves and we've seen multiple waves mm-hmm. you know whether it's whether it's in in the work world or in the music business or whatever and it's just I, I have a feeling that we're, we're like you said, we're we're on the front of something, right?
1: Yeah. Now. Cause it's the same in, it's the same. If, if I look at any kind of tech company, yep. like there's, you know, there'll be a lot of women involved, but if you actually look there, it gets pretty thin at the top as you go up and yeah. that's just like important to look at And you know, this is an, you know, it's, it's a fun, creative community, beautiful. And it's also a business. Yeah. So, Got to look at the money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. So you, you know, you are one of those folks. Like I'm starting to segment people in to, without oversimplifying, but like the folks that I talk to, there's, there's the creatives that purely make their money from doing music, right? Respect. Respect. Oh my God, it's a hustle, right? And then there's the creatives that aren't really even worried about the money from the music because they're they have a career or whatever. And then there's every once in a while we're talking about kid hops or you even where you've kind of figured out this way to converge your experience and passion and industry knowledge between tech and music into this thing that you're kind of creating now, which I would love to hear a little bit more about. Yeah, I, that's for me. I think that's the dream. I just never cracked the code on it. Yeah, you know? I get
1: it. Well, early early on in my career when I was just getting started, I didn't like the feeling of having like a total double life. Like I didn't like that it was like that basically who I was and you know who I was at my most fully self-expressed and most free was like relegated to like the moonlighting section. So I wanted to find a way to really integrate and it sounded like crazy coming out of my mouth. Like it sounded ludicrous saying that like I'm going to love what I do for a living and I'm going to Like be me wherever I'm gonna be paid to be me. Like that sounds crazy, but you know, over the (laughs) years, like, and I'd I'd say, like, I definitely focused on jobs in the music industry at first. I was working at a magazine and working at the internet radio station, and um, and ultimately started my own business doing music consulting for film and television. Like I like music was my business for a while, and then. Coming up to Seattle and Kid Hop's giving me the opportunity to do you know music at Microsoft was really my bridge into tech, and that's really where it put it to test. Got it. Because there is a, you know there, and I got to do you know music and cool music stuff it, at Microsoft at that time. I was making play, I was curating playlists and doing label relations, and that was that was really fun. And then and then I got to a point where I was like need more separation, you know, like uh, it just I got to, like I kind of like felt like that some of the authenticity was lost for me. So I wanted right. to separate it. And really, that was at a time where I needed to explore some new things. Anyways, like, I wanted to do more embodiment and yoga stuff. And I wanted to have a kid and like, just try some new things in my life. Like I had been doing music and DJing at that point for a, a lo- enough time where I was burnt out. And burnout is like something that we all need to pay attention to as humans on planet earth in general. Um, But that's really where I, I would say, you know, now standing where I am now as someone that I could say, I'm a professional culture designer. I'm a chief of staff for a design team at Microsoft. And I'm, I'm, approaching it all as an employee experience and a culture designer, I got all of those skills from dance music. And I started to do more, um, like I, when I was starting to shift my career into culture design, I was, I started talking about dance music and what I've learned from dance music and how, you know, these concepts that they talk about in corporate world, like diversity and inclusion is just how we live in dance music and how we, and kind of look at what we're doing you know we measure success right is like we're thriving we've got like the best dance floor is got a lot of different flavors on that dance floor right and the most strong crews and the most strong projects i think are are really strongly inclusive so talking about inclusion and improvisation and like all of that is what culture is and so being able to transfer that into like a you know, a corporate environment and be able to say like, you could design culture for a workplace or a community is that's, it's what, it's what, it's what like kind of fuels my curiosity. You know, I don't, I can't say like I've cracked the net and I have like the silver bullet for right. like how to make great cultures, but like it's dance music and the, and the essence of dance music, which is, you know, honor, which honors its roots, right. It's honors its roots and, black and queer culture and it's like and it it's includes many people in that story now and like that's it it all comes back to like where I think it's naturally emerging and that's beyond like the, the hot genres and the hot DJs of the moment like I at this stage with this perspective of you know 25 30 years like you can start to see the essence of something and what makes it just good and why we keep coming back to it, and why we, right? Why even even if it's like separate from our day job, it's something so precious to us that we'll always put energy into and hopefully get you know get energy back from. And anyhow, I'm kind of no no I'm kind of going off. Well, no no I
0: love it. And, and I'm gonna so I'm gonna have you get a little more specific if you would. So I'm working at Microsoft. I have X problems. Somebody says. Oh, you need to reach out to Emily Griffin. Like, what is that problem that you're solving when you're, you know? Yeah, involved? I'm. Well,
1: I'm looking at the employee experience and the employee journey. So Got I'm it. looking at like when you come into a company or when you even think about a company, like a tech. Let's we'll use Microsoft sure. as an example. You're there's like an attraction there, For and sure. then there's recruiting, and then there's welcoming you, and then there's the when you're there, you want to belong and you want to grow there, right? this is all part of the employee journey. So I look at the employee journey and then I also look at this. I use a model of for culture design that was developed by my friend, Josh um, and his book, great Mondays, which is awesome and highly recommend it. He also has a podcast Um, and the model basically is it, 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 I love it because it looks like it looks at culture almost like through a lens of like a product maker. So you look at, kind of like the main themes or epics of a culture. So you've got a purpose, like your North Star, you have your values, you have your behaviors, you have your recognition, like how you're recognizing those values aligned behaviors. You have your rituals, like your rituals for connection and just being human together. And then you have your cues or communication. So that's how I, I, I look at the employee journey And I look at that model of culture and then I start to see just like I would look at an app or a business and you look at what's strong, what's weak, you know, where is there like low effort going on with low business value and like where can you invest to like boost, you know, boost the whole thing. And so I'm really passionate about the welcome, belong and grow part of the journey because I believe in great onboarding. I believe in human connection on teams and like building that into how we work. And I believe all of that ultimately can lead to more innovation. And, you know, so many teams in tech are working on like the future and they want to touch every person on the planet. And AI is like changing everything for everyone. And I believe that we can't make products and services for humans unless we actually have a human experience at work. And you know, work has become so transactional, and I just want to get what you know. Your company just wants to get what it gets out of you, and that's and like just burn you out. And I, I think that's yeah. an old model that is dying, and especially young people, they don't want that anymore. They, they see through that. They know that it's unhealthy, and that's why I look to dance music. I dance music, and when I, when I'm up there performing and DJing, I know that my whole job is to light people up and inspire them to be alive in the rest of their life yeah. and to bring that into how they interact with their beloveds and their kids and their coworkers and that's my kind of that's my prayer every time that I DJ is like I just want people to feel that spark of aliveness and freedom and bring that into the rest of their lives. I know? love
0: the parallels, and I'm just I'm it, I'm grasping it now because I I've worked in the corporate world for a long time, and you know so much of that culture was about retention. Retention was where it sort of ended. That was like the holy grail. Like, what are our re- what does our retention data look like, right? Then you slipped into some satisfaction, but never. I haven't heard it. Illustrated that way, where you're actually taking it to innovation, which, yeah, and then it becomes this flywheel, I would imagine. Well, yeah, yeah, Yeah.
1: when you have like human connection and people feel connected to their own, you know, heart and their own purpose, and then that actually is connected to what the company's about, like there's new things I think possible when everyone's like, you know, and we we experienced that in dance music, like you go to a night kind of on your own mission. Your own, You have your own story, your own purpose, but then there's something that happens on a dance floor when everything gels. Oh, yeah. You know that feeling? I do. There's nothing like that I feeling. Know. Like, if we could <laughs> bottle that feeling and, like, give people a taste out there, that's the thing. Like, the more that's why I love free parties and like parties out in the daytime, out in the park and things like that, because there's like this thing, like this shouldn't be relegated to these environments that are like hidden and in the dark and on the side, like it should be accessible, Right. it should be available to multi-generations. And like, this is why, because there is that magic that happens when you're all doing your, you're doing your own thing, but you're doing it together, Yeah. like something else happens. And that's what I'm that's that's what keeps me in it. And that's what keeps me staying, you know, like prioritizing staying healthy with it so I can be a part of it and not burn out again. Because that's what happens. And we actually lose some great people in the community because they can't like the level of being able to stay healthy and in it tanks. Right. And that's what I feel like, especially like us older cats can help model is like healthy behavior so that we can we can sustain because I see all this fresh talent coming in I'm just like stay healthy stay with it like we need you you know
0: yeah and there's the the politics and cattiness and 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 addiction and and I mean there's
1: a lot of shadow side to it but that's why like we have to stay healthy so we can stay in it and keep you know keep bringing the magic
0: yeah Sure. No, and that's yeah, I I get it now. Like it took me, I I read I read a little bit about your background and just got sort of an idea of what you're doing, but I didn't really understand. And I think I think for a lot of people that aren't in tech, you know, when when people hear tech, like tech tech gets a, a pretty bad rap in general for for the outsiders, and you know, for some insiders too, just they're paid too much they're they're not doing anything that's life-changing you know what they're they're selling non-tangibles most of the time there's a lot of sort of uh i think immature views about what tech is and and you're a good example of the thoughtfulness and the intention behind the right organizations and what what you know what you guys are trying to do what your mission is it's really cool to hear um, well, there's a, you know,
1: tech isn't going away. No. And it is a, a huge opportunity to make an impact because when we work on products, it does reach billions of people. Yep. And when those experiences are more accessible, when it's taking into account people that have different abilities um, that are multi generation, and also when we think about the impact on the planet and like the potential for, you know creating more sustainable um, and regenerative experience like all of that I'm not going to get too abstract with it but there sure. I see a lot of potential and the potential is about impact and is it about and it's about making it more human right like yeah. like we are straddling kind of like an old world of like kind of like late stage capitalism very extractive and damaging way of being and there is something new and I feel like Dance music culture has always been looked to for innovation. It's always kind of been seen as like youth culture, really, right. and like the future. And so, how do we how do we infuse that into kind of this system that is it's chain it's changing and it has to change? Yeah, like there is like an urgency there. And so, like we have, I think we ha- the only thing that really makes sense to me anymore is art and music and and bringing that kind of like artist mentality into these spaces, you know, cause I, you know, we know people in the scene that they work in, um, you know, they're social workers and they work in the government and like they, you know, we all spread out during the week and go and like work on our little pockets of like where we've chosen to do, you know, make our living. And I, I want to, I want the experience we have when we come together in community and, and, Storytell and be together and the gathering and the sharing. Like I want that to be infused in everything else we do, because then we can change the world.
0: I love it. So let me flip this on you (laughs) from what you've been doing in tech has that changed your approach back into dance music and and sort of dance music culture? And has it, has, has it just changed how you interact?
1: Well, it's, it's definitely, especially now with AI and seeing how AI and just using our natural language is changing like what's possible in terms of like productivity. I'm definitely like looking at music technology in new ways, like even just in the last six months. And I'm looking at ways that even preparing for gigs and, um, just all the like fiddly stuff we have to do to kind of like manage our files and move mm-hmm. things around and I'm like where could this be more natural and intuitive yeah like if like I you know I'm looking at if there's any AI company any music tech companies out there that want to jam on this like I really feel like there's something that is possible around just making it all even more natural and intuitive and accessible for people I mean as as someone that, there was a point in my life where I let go of all of my gear. I had a lot of gear. I had a lot of records. I let it all, I really let most of it go. I like, I brought my record collection down from like 36 crates to six crates. Wow. And I let go of all my hardware and I let it all go. And then I, it all, then music of course came, was like, get the fuck back here. And so I was like, (laughs) okay, I called Kyle kid hops. I called Gene Lee. And I was like, okay, what do I do? And they're like, look, Emily, you have a laptop, you can do it. And like the bar of entry for me to re enter and create Griffin Girl was so low because I spent $150 on Tractor Pro and got a controller and was, you know, a single mom at the time, home with my kids sleeping, and I was able to start mixing again. Like the bar of entry, like the accessibility for me to be able to come back and without having to spend six grand on like a new studio. That's the kind of like that's what I mean by accessibility. Right.
0: Like make it more accessible. do you feel like the down I, i've I've heard sort of two stances on accessibility. the The other thing is that that lower bar of accessibility does create a lot of noise in the business, yeah. right? And yeah I get it. I get
1: yeah. it. I get it. But then, like then you get the signal that comes that that comes out, like, you know I, you hear about stories about, you know, people playing with Fruit Loops, you know, in yep. in their bedroom. And then, I mean, even I think of like Disclosure, like those were like two brothers hanging out in their bedroom. And then they like, kind of like revived house music. And like, I mean, come on, like, who doesn't love Disclosure, right? Yeah. Like, those guys just like started in their bedroom with like some gear. Like, mm-hmm. I I think there's there's still there's, oh, the stars will always kind of like emerge from it. And yeah, like, I, I mean, I I go shopping on beatport like there's a lot of garbage out there i'm sorry like but you know what but like at the point you know but then you know i spend two seconds and i move on you know it's like you got it that's and that's why us as curators and djs like that's part of our job is to like sift through the noise and like know how to you know find the signal and amplify the goods yeah yeah yeah
0: and i i and and i i mean me personally like i those it's a bit of a biased question, but I, I always feel like the accessibility argument has never like held much water anyway. I'm like, you're, you're gonna do it if you want to do it, and if, if you go after it. And-
1: yeah, I mean i and I, I work with a, I work with an amazing team at um, at work that they run the inclusive tech lab, and they're making adaptive controllers for games, and wow. and you know they're working with people with like. You know, with disabilities that don't, you know, that can't use their hands and their bodies in the same way we can. And like, why do they have to be left out? You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then we go back to the, I think the other thing is this feast and famine mentality. Well, everybody can buy, spend $150, you know, a single mom all of a sudden becomes a DJ, like, is that fair? You know, that's Yes. Yes it is. Yes it is. <laughs> yes it is. It's yes. amazing.
1: Yes. And then that that that, you know, that person having a community to connect into to ask questions and celebrate their wins and like that's that's a piece of it that's important too is like not be feeling alone in that. And that's what dance music and our our community in Seattle, like I'm so proud of our community because I do feel like we have a really collaborative and supportive community like I'm sure there's some naysayers and there's some For moments sure. and you know we're humans so it's relationships things are complicated sometimes Definitely. but overall like people visit here and they just go oh something something's different yeah. here I'm like yeah like we we're collaborating like we're we don't have like feuding crews and all that stuff like we you know you see a lot of that cross-pollination and yeah I mean even a project like this it's like it it all like it lifts everybody up
0: It does. I mean, and you know, that, that was the whole goal and probably much like what you're doing, we we don't necessarily want to be beholden to any one crew or, or one, one night or whatever. Like there's just so much, there's so much juice right now going on. And, you know, we wanted to get in on it and we also wanted to bolster it. So yeah. yeah, And
1: Seattle, like more people need to know about Seattle and the amazing talent here. So I love your mix of Talking to the the veterans and talking to the new school and it's a good mix.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's so many more to talk to. Right? Like I just, it's it's, I have this crazy list. I'm sure honestly. you. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and 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 you know, I think the the res- what I've really enjoyed that's been fun has been just the responsiveness. I'm like you. I don't know you. You're coming into my studio, which is not my house, right? And and with the openness to come in and to to do this and you don't know what I'm gonna ask you necessarily and I don't like to, I don't know what I'm gonna ask you necessarily. That's how this stuff flows. So. Well, I have to thank Amy Snapdragon for leading the, like when I saw
1: Amy do it, I was like, all right, it's a good spot, yeah. good spot. No, it's good, it's yeah. good. And I had fun binge watching all of your episodes, so. It was,
0: <laughs> love it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So, I well, for you, I mean, I I think I have a pretty good feel where you where this all kind of started, where you were, where you where are you going though? Like, where's this all? What's what's the what's the roadmap look like for you?
1: I do not have a roadmap for music, and and that's by design. Yeah, because I feel like the best moments for me have always, um, like they've emerged and they've it's been there for me to say yes to and I know when it's a yes because I feel that energy in my body and um so I'm you know I'm still gigging I'm I'm selective with my gigs um I can't play every weekend there's just I I can't do it anymore it's it's okay um so my performances feel special I put many hours of prep into my performances because I love the selection and the curation of the songs and the the building of the story and like I and I can do that like that's rejuvenative to, to me I, I can be in bed on you know with my tractor on my laptop and um, and have fun with that and right. then like really bring the show when I you know when I perform and I love that I love that part of it and um, I have some mixes and I have like a backlog of DJ mixes that like, I haven't put out a mix in a little while. So it's time. Um, I'm sending one to mastering today. And yeah, like I I love that because then I can, my mixes are really fun because I can reach my friends outside of Seattle and I can reach my friends that don't go clubbing anymore. And it's like a moment in time. And it's a story that I've curated over many performances. Like I really, by the time I end up at a mix, it's because I've really like hung with those tracks and I love them and they don't annoy me anymore. They like, they don't annoy me so I can like, I, I get sick of music really quickly. I, that's what makes me a great DJ. It's right. why, part of why I, I couldn't imagine like hanging out with like, like one drum beat or one bassline and making music for too long. Like it sounds like torture to me. So I'm a great DJ um, and would rather have songs that like really make, beautiful love together like that go like i love that combination of 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 songs and so i'll put out some mixes i'm um i love collaborating with visual artists so i've got a fun collaboration that i've done with brandon de De palma eight Day create and he's um worked on some new branding for me and put some really beautiful art together for one of the mixes that's coming out so um i also really love curating stages and like being having a chance to create an experience and a platform to include other artists and that's kind of like what's calling me like I want to do some things that are a little different a little more um, involved and um, like create a whole vibe and an experience and visual arts really interesting to me so I mean I'm really going with the flow here I'm going uh, where right. that where the energy takes me and it's never led me wrong in the past so. well and
0: one thing that's unique about you is you don't necessarily produce right yeah and was that a conscious choice or I, pl-
1: I played I've played with producing I would say I love um, I when I have hung out in the studio um, in the past like I'm a good or I'm good at helping producers maybe that aren't DJs I'm helping them arrange songs mm, to be better DJ that makes sense yeah be better DJ tools basically um, but I again like I get sick of sounds so easily that I can't hang out with one sound for too long like it kind of drives me nuts and I also don't like a lot of the fiddly computer work so like for me I'm on computers all. I'm on a I'm on camera and on a machine all day um, and I don't necessarily it's part of like what even just being on tractor for hours at night after work is like already enough for me so and I want that to be and that's what I'm saying like being able to talk to my being able to talk to my computer and tell it to do stuff versus even doing this right would be awesome for me because that would make it less taxing basically on my body yeah you know so um so I'm keeping it Keeping it light, keeping going with the flow, feeling where the fuck yes is. And that's what my roadmap looks like.
0: <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like cool. putting
1: one foot in front of the other.
0: Yeah, I had a similar discussion with Terry Jacinto about production, you know, because it, it, that's always sort of been my thing, too. Like, more computer time. Yeah. I don't... I just... I'm like the least technical technical sales guy you'll probably ever meet, which is, you know, good and bad, right? But
1: God, like, I'm so grateful for the people that make the music. I know. Like, thank you for the people that do hang out and, like, make that drum loop just the way it is, because I get to feel, I get I get to take the best of that work. Like, totally. I feel sometimes, I, I think about how when I'm auditioning songs and selecting songs, and I'm like, God, I really didn't give that song much of a chance, but I know it's not for me. And I'm thinking of the hours that someone put into that song. Yeah. And I'm just like, one, two, three, yep, nope. you know. And I'm like, wow, someone probably spent <laughs> no. up many hours on that. And I good know. luck to you. It's not for me, but I yeah. Know.
0: Yeah, no, I have huge admiration for the folks that are producers and the prolific producers oh, that yeah. just keep turning out and the consistent, you know, yeah. it, it's just, it's so amazing. Like that, that to me is more unreachable than anything, is just, I can't, I, I, like you, I think sitting in the studio and giving some ideas and, and, you know, maybe help yeah. structure. I could, like, I could see myself doing that, but.
1: Yeah, the collaboration it sounds That's fun. super fun. Like hanging out with homies and collaborating yeah. sounds fun if someone was actually doing the engineering work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, and yeah, for driving. me, it's like you know, i've I've got a I've got a almost sixth grader at home. And I'm, you know, raising my daughter, and I'm really going for it at work. Like, I really do want to to make an impact as a leader in tech and and make a difference there. So I, I'm put. You know, we only have so many hours in the day, and I will say right. the one thing I'm not sacrificing is sleep. Like, I get eight to nine hours of sleep get every night. You. I am determined to hold that boundary and
0: not even a you know a well-paying job is gonna gonna eat into that so i've settled into that same pattern like i just i i used to i used to i mean i'm an infamous procrastinator but i used to put things off and then do like an all-nighter and mm-hmm. i won't do that anymore like i just can't i can't hang it wrecks me for two days yeah you know? yeah and that's the same when it comes to going out too like i have to be pretty intentional about yeah very intense late hours so besides music you know i know you mentioned yoga are there any other hobbies i mean you, you sound like you're pretty busy anyway right with work between i mean work and yeah your creative like endeavors i mean i your mom
1: i'm sw- uh, not swimming uh well, I, w- I wasn't gonna say swimming maybe i need to get into swimming um <laughs> uh <laughs> gardening i'm like okay. i wish i had more time for gardening because gardening is like meditative for me oh, for and sure. um yeah that's it's kind of like i don't know if i really have hobbies I mean, my husband is like a pickleball nut, so I'm playing pickleball once it's in a, like a while. Hot thing now, right? Pickleball. It's a thing. It's a thing. Like my husband's going to nationals. Like he became a pickleball that like. Very <laughs> I'm not quickly. laughing at
0: your husband. I just no, think it's, it's a laughter
1: of like kind of like surprise and delight in a Thank way. You. Like, yes. like yeah. Like all of a sudden, my husband's going to national competition for pickleball. So I'm supportive of. i one of my hobbies is being supportive of my husband and his pickleball thing, and I go play once in a while and. Um it's good, it's good to suck at new things. I'm oh, just saying, sure. you know, growth mindset. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'm, you know, I suck at cooking. I probably could get better at that. You know, there's, I don't really have hobbies. Like music is, music is my life, but it is definitely like the thing that I get to do to like put energy into it. I feel creatively fulfilled. Sure. You know, that's why I love collaborating with visual artists. Like I think there's so much possibility and fun things to do there and
0: and especially uh, but yeah, bringing tech into that. Yeah, there's, like
1: there's there's so much around just like art and community building. You know, yeah. like I really see like the mentoring that I do and the support, you know, the kind of the emotional support behind the scenes of people like I guess you can't really call that a hobby, but it's it's it takes time and and I'm committed to being there for people even if I'm not like out and in the mix all the time, right. like I'm still there behind the scenes. You can, people ha- need to know that. Like yeah, I'm paying attention and supporting people behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, yeah. and and you know, the, the hobby thing is a bit of a loaded question sometimes because I, I think for, for people like you and your unique case where you've sort of designed your life where it has this, there, there's not these, these dividers necessarily you know and a lot of people myself included there's a lot of times there's dividers I do this and I do this yeah. and you walked in you saw a motorcycle and I ride a motorcycle and yeah. that's one of the hobbies when, you know it's just that's how it is right Yeah. so I, I think it's I'm learning a lot about you and just in general like making me now reflect on a bunch of things actually really this is like for me this is like a therapy session most of the time anyway. It is. <laughs> when I came
1: I was like I feel like I'm going to therapy like Music community therapy. (laughs) It's good. good
0: though. No, and and I always, you know, I always think it's it's super interesting to hear. Like I said, I've seen you DJ. I don't know how many times I've seen you DJ, but never talked to you. And and my experience is the majority of what people experience out there, besides the people that you're supporting currently. Like a lot of people don't know anything about you. Yeah, besides. DJs
1: don't. DJs don't talk. No, like, DJs. Don't, it's good. It's good to get us on the mic sometimes. It there's is. a whole. There's
0: a whole thing going on right. in the background. And people's backgrounds and their histories and yeah. their origin stories are really fascinating. And and you and I. Wa- I've I've watched the, the the lights click on even when I've been talking to somebody and they've been telling their story and they're like, Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's pretty.
1: Fun that's for good. Me. That's good. You got to get DJs to talk sometimes, and I then agree. you get us to like not talk and just play the music. Let the music that do too. the talking. <laughs>
0: well speaking of playing the music before we get to that anything else you know this is always if if there's any shout outs any upcoming gigs any upcoming projects yeah that you have on the burner
1: i will say i have a really fun gig coming up uh, labor day weekend i've um, helped influence a uk garage showcase at monkey with soft option and carl so mindy's on the lineup uh gabe fucks, gibbons best dj name uh, is on the bill and Avignon, Avignon uh, Michael Robertson is on it. So we're going to do like a UKG showcase. Like I've been, be I've so been, good. I've been like, like sliding it into my house sets I love it in a slow time, like, a, you know, obviously more like a slower tempo just to kind of see how Seattle responds to it. And I'm interested to see how like a full UKG night at monkey on a Saturday is going to go. I think,
0: I think Paul would probably be into that too. We're going to have to go. In fact, I have one of his crates that's got some, some like vintage proper UK nice. garage, yeah. Because there's
1: yeah. some like new, there's like some new stuff coming out that yep. has, that is like, you know, the kids of the people that were doing UKG are now making UK. It's, there's some cool, there's some cool new producers out there and um, doing some cool stuff. So I'm excited about that. And then yeah, I mean, check out my SoundCloud because I'll be releasing some new mixes. And yeah, who who knows what's next? I love yeah.
0: It and anything you want to say before i cut you loose on the decks to do your thing i mean just oh you got a
1: plan to all the art i just want to you know to all the artists out there just keep doing it the world needs you and yeah thanks so much for having me phil and the seattle house mafia crew thanks for this project and keep going
0: thank you we appreciate it and it wouldn't be a project without people like you being open enough to come talk to a weird bald guy in his house (laughs) Bear, a barefoot
1: bald guy <laughs> too barefoot
0: bald guy and overall what is wrong with but that man baby great
1: kombucha great kombucha there choices See, so
0: I do I do provide a drink rider don't I
1: <laughs> yes I do
0: <laughs> it's one perk yeah tequila for Tony kombucha for me that's right yes. that's right that's right no I think I actually you're not the only one that's requested kombucha either which is good. pretty interesting good I think it's the drink and I always have some so it's
1: good great I appreciate it yeah.
0: well thank you for coming in um I don't know. I think, I think we end on that note. I think yeah, that's great. It up yeah, thank I, there's you so, so much. much more to talk about. Love to have you through again, but for now, like, let's get you in the mix a little bit.
1: great. Sounds good. Seattle House
0: Mafia thanks for joining us for another episode of Seattle house mafia's industry interviews. If you want to watch the full video of this interview, including an exclusive mix from our guest, head over to seattlehousemafia.com forward slash YouTube. And before you go, be sure to hit that subscribe button. So you never miss an episode for all things, Seattle house mafia, including our upcoming shows, latest mixes, gear reviews, and more. You can visit seattlehousemafia.com.